0: Welcome everyone to the Boondoggles, Blind Squirrels, and Broken Clocks podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined again today, as always, by my good friend and gambling guru, Mr. Chad Ford. Chad, it is a cold, snowy morning here in Oklahoma City, bud. I hope you're staying safe, hope you're staying warm. How you doing this morning, bud?
1: I'm doing good. Like you said, it, it is a cold and just a dreary morning here. Uh, Got up to the office. Roads were okay, but be careful out there, people.
0: It is insane, Chad. I mean, we were just talking right before we started recording on the pod is that, you know, you and I, we're we're knocking on the door 40, my friend. So we're getting up there in age and I cannot recall a stretch or period of time this long of a stretch of this cold and this snowy conditions here in the state of Oklahoma, man. It is is unprecedented, uh, or at least for the last hundred years, it seems like just absolutely insane, man.
1: It it is nuts uh, just to think about we get one or two days where you get some drizzling rain and some ice, but you know, we're, I'm starting to think this is more like Minnesota or something with the the amount of yeah. snow that's been coming down the past three days. Yeah, it's crazy, man. And we're not
0: we're not really built for it here in Oklahoma City. But no. our friends our friends down in Dallas, Austin, San Antonio, Houston they're definitely not <laughs> they're built for it.
1: Than, yeah, <laughs> they're, they're worse off than we are.
0: Yeah, they're definitely not built for it. And obviously, uh, uh, you know, thinking of our of our friends and uh, and family members down in the state of Texas as well, I think their uh, electricity and water issues are maybe even worse than what we're dealing with here in Oklahoma. So I, now there is a light at the end of the tunnel. Seems like Saturday, Sunday we're going to get above freezing, and then next week, I mean, typical Oklahoma, we've got sixty degrees uh, next Wednesday and Thursday. So we'll be back on the golf course next week, Chad. So that that's the uh, yes. <laughs> the fun part. That's of, wonderful. The fun part. And speaking of golf, Chad, obviously we got to show some love to our sponsor in our favorite sports bar, and that is obviously Chalk Sports Bar. But we've been we're in the midst of our. Eat More Chalk, Play More Golf Giveaway. Now, it's obviously been a tough stretch here over the last eight, nine, ten days to go play golf. But, yeah. but you know, recall Real that tough. if you go out, play golf, bring in your scorecard, write, you know, Sports Pros Network, YSO, something to let your server know that you are a friend of the pod, you'll get half off your burger or sandwich, and you'll be entered into a drawing for a table before in a $200 gift card from Master Sunday there at Chalk. So best, best seat in the house. Obviously, you're not going to uh, have to search too far for a big-time TV screen to kind of watch all the action unfold on the back nine on Master Sunday. So we're in the midst of that. And, again, that goes till March 31st. So it's been a rough week here. You know, weather's going to subside here over the next you know week or so, 10 days. You're going to be able to get out, play more golf, eat more chalk. Everybody's a winner. Uh, and, obviously, you can follow Chad, Ben, and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com. Or on Twitter and Instagram at Chalk OKC. Always the favorite. That's Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, Chad, you know the the news story I want to start off with here, and I feel like I, I maybe you know let our listeners down because we didn't really talk about it last week on the pod. We were doing our Super Bowl recap, and obviously there was a lot to unpack from a gambling standpoint there. But we had the Daytona 500 on Sunday, my friend. We so, did. Now it was a a an interesting race. So 100 to 1 odds. On Michael McDowell, a guy that has been has had 358 Cup starts and has never won a race. He he led for less than one lap. It was essentially yep. the last lap is all he led on. Weather delays, wrecks, just all kinds of crazy shit going on on the Daytona 500 on Sunday. Chad, you know your thoughts on this? Now, from a gambling perspective, we love those 100 to one long shots, right?
1: Yeah, we absolutely do. Uh, the only reason I didn't love it too much in this case was I had Joey Logano. Uh, with a couple shekels on it. And oh, he was me going into that final lap. And I was like, am I going to squeak away with a win here? He's the only one I bet on. And it was kind of a last minute thing. Um, so I, it was bittersweet to me, but watch it, looking back on it the next day, you know, you're happy for him. But it also makes you wonder like, you know, he led less than half of a lap and he was just there at the end. And this is kind of what racing is like, was he really the best racer? on the track you know that day or did he just get lucky because of all the crashes now you know look preparation is where uh, opportunity meets luck and uh situations like that but you know it, it in some instance it, it feels kind of robbed because the nascar scene has you know their super bowl is the first race of the year and something like this can't happen now let's be honest like He's not a bad racer, it, obviously he's, he's one of the top 40, 43 in the world, but it just feels a little sliding. Like we got cheated out of this somehow.
0: Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's hard to say, or maybe the the word fluky, I don't know if that's the right yeah. way to call it, you know, because you don't take nothing away from McDowell, right? He, he stayed in, he survived, uh, and, and was able to get the win. But, you know, you mentioned that that issue with uh, Logano and Brad Keselowski there on essentially the last lap, going into the last lap, right? So they were kind of neck and neck. You know, they try to make a move to get around one another, causes a big pileup and a wreck. And and McDowell was just positioned just perfectly to kind of get by all that and, and really avoid all the, uh, uh, the, 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 the mess. That it it occurred and and was able to, to finish off from there. So you know, essentially, uh, that half of a lap uh, to where he was going uh, heads up with Elliott and Austin Dillon, and then you know NASCAR you know called the caution and, and he was able to win it there. But it does it feel, it takes away from it. You know we we're not we're accustomed to I guess over the last few years it seems like there being weather delays on on the Daytona with rain and some of the things that they deal with uh, down there in the month of February. But but it always sucks for a race to end that way. Uh, you want it to be exciting kind of coming down the stretch and. and and it does, it, it kind of takes away from it from a little bit. And as you mentioned, you know, they have their Super Bowl right out of the gate, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's right out of the gate. It's just, it, it's one of those things. And maybe I'm just a little sour taste in my mouth from the fact of you've <laughs> yeah. got a situation, <laughs> that would be frustrating. Where I, you know, very last lap, but it's also one of those that it just starts back up for the ending. It's almost like not watching the entire game and then sitting there for the two point conversion of a football game. And we determine that one play who's going to be the winner of the contest. So, yeah.
0: nope, I I agree, I agree. But you know, congratulations to McDowell again, first first win in 358 starts, and, and crazy, it happens to man. be the big one, right? So, so kudos. Yeah. To, I and guess if you're going to win one, or
1: a year, I mean, you got to talk like it's not like there's you know 60 races a year. So we're talking like probably eight to ten years worth of putting in the work out of time, effort, energy, and never having a win.
0: Yep, absolutely. So just insane. if again, if you're going to win one out of 358, I guess this would be the one that you would want to Aww. win uh, and, and uh, kudos to him on that again, tough tough beat, uh, bad beat for you with, <laughs> with the bet though that's definitely frustrating. So. Well, well Chad, you know we are tantalizingly close uh, to a little tournament that takes place in the month of March uh, for the NCAA basketball. Uh, and and I wanted to kind of get your thoughts here and kind of check in. You know, we've touched on it, right? We kind of did a a, a preview pod uh, segment on it way back in November whenever the uh, uh, college basketball was getting ready to start up. But, you know, checking in, and the Big 12 and the Big 10 seem to be where it's at right now, Chad. So the Big 12 has six, seven teams, really, kind of depending upon your poll, ranked in the top 25. The Big 10 has five with Rutgers and Purdue kind of just on the outside looking in. I guess they would probably be ranked you know, 26th or 27th or something like that. But, you know, your thoughts on college basketball. Who do you kind of see maybe sneaking around the chicken coop right there that's going to make a deep run, maybe a Final Four run, or maybe even win this thing right now? Uh, but but just kind of overall thoughts of leading up to the tournament here in a few short weeks, my friend.
1: Yeah, and I think you hit the nail on the head, Keith. The the success of the Big 12 and the Big 10 is kind of unprecedented, right? We always think of the ACC and the Big East as kind of these two powerhouse basketball schools just kind of Easternmost, you know, the West coast and uh Middle America is football, East Coast is basketball, so on and so forth. Um, so to see the Big Twelve really have just some powerhouses um in the in the rankings and them not be led by Kansas is extremely surprising. Um, I think we all thought in the Big Ten we were gonna get B game, you know, hey, either go state or go blue on the football field, but now you're you're basically seeing it as they are ranked third and fourth in the nation. And then obviously you got uh, Illinois right behind them as a middle major. Houston um, is sitting right there. I, I, I like Houston, Um, you know, what they, what they do and play kind of an up-tempo game, I think suits them well in the NCAA tournament, but it's also one of them high risk, high reward. If you're, if you're getting fouls called, all night from playing that high-tempo game, it, it could come back to bite you. Um, Keith, I've been really impressed with uh, your boys out there in Norman. I think they have a really, really good basketball team. Um, you know, Lon Kruger's just done well kind of anywhere he's done. Just a, just such a stand-up guy. I'd, I'd honestly love to see him win it. And I think, um, you know, the Sooner Faithful, I think it would b- restore some, uh, some lost confidence over the past couple of years if their alma mater being uh, pretty good at the, ol- the whole hardwood, but also some of the tougher losses on the football gridiron as well. Now, you're right.
0: It's hard to say that Long Kruger is an underrated coach, Chad, because everybody, every time you hear the media talk about him, everybody fawns on him. Everybody absolutely yeah. loves him because he is. He He's just a stand-up guy. He does everything the right way. But, you know, doesn't seem you – know, he's certainly not flashy, right? So maybe that's no, kind of part of it no. as well. He doesn't get the the coverage or the headlines, perhaps, that some other coaches would. But, man, he, he just finds a way to win. And you're right. I mean, they've gone on a run here over the last, what, month. Uh, the uh, the Sooners have and just reeled sure. off just some super impressive wins. Now uh, I will say the weather has had an impact, right? So was, we were supposed to get yeah. a Red River rivalry this week. Um, I guess it was really last night OU and Texas on the on the hardwood, but uh, weather kind of got in the way there. It's stacked now with the rescheduling yeah. is, is that we're going to have back-to-back bedlam at the end of the month here. And not sure, I mean, they, they have a game with Baylor that's been postponed as well, Chad, so I don't know how they're going to nope. fit all those things in. They probably won't, but man, the Big 12 tournament is going to be an absolute 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 uh just just barn burner it's going to be so much fun to watch and you know oklahoma state having a great year as well right so they had a lot you know just dropped out of the top 25 this this week but man the the cunningham kid i mean he is he's the real deal i mean oklahoma state keep an eye out on them in the tournament as well
1: yeah and i was just about to touch on something like that when you look at these teams in the tournament like you you're looking for a surprise team you know a little a little wolf looking at at the the hen house or whatnot you always want to find a decent team that has probably one of the top echelon players because they have the ability to just elevate that team in the month of March and just take over a game. You think about a Ja Moran at Murray state. um, You think about Steph Curry at Davidson and things like that. Like at the end of the day, we should have saw those coming because they did have the overwhelming better player and they were able to make a deep run. So, you know, Kate Cunningham is the real deal. He's either going to be the first or second pick this year in the NBA draft. I would look at Oklahoma state. Um, I would look at a team like USC with Evan Mobley. Um, even though Evan Mobley's not like one of those takeover players, he's one you have to game plan for. And he's one that, you know, if you're always game planning for somebody else, that means you're not paying attention to your own game that you know, it could take away and it could have some uh, mental lapses either on the offensive or defensive end. Um, so I like Oklahoma State and I like USC um, to kind of make a little bit of run. They won't be ranked that high. You're talking anywhere from probably a 5 seed at best for either one of those all the way down to probably an eight or 9 seed in the tournament. But watch out for them, you know, especially that second-round game if they are an eight or a nine to where they play a one seed.
0: Yep, I would. You took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say the same thing. Is that Oklahoma State? Hey, you know, most of the bracketology type stuff have had them as either a seven or eight, nine seed, which would inevitably mean that they're going to meet a one seed or a two seed in that second round, and that could that could be one of your upsets this year, yeah. uh, especially with the talent behind uh, Cunningham and just you know. And you mentioned it. It always seems to be a guard, Chad. And maybe this is kind yeah. of a recency bias, but you know, a guard that has the ability to take over a game, make his teammates around them better, uh, and just have an influence on the tournament. You, you mentioned a couple of them, they're great, great examples in Steph Curry. Uh, but, but Cunningham, he, I think he kind of fits that mold as well. So I, I'm excited uh, for the tournaments to get here. But, you know, one thing we'd be remiss if we didn't mention it, Chad, two schools that you don't see up here in the rankings right now Duke in North Carolina and you mentioned you know the ACC just not quite as as influential as it's been you know obviously we're talking about the big 12 and the big Ten uh and Big Ten very top heavy with that Michigan Ohio State Illinois all in the top five here but you know you have to you know Virginia still really good right they're ranked number seven Florida State seems to be like a really good team this year uh, down there at 16 Virginia Tech as well but you know not quite as 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 deep as what we're used to seeing the ACC and chiefly because we're, we're missing Duke in North Carolina right
1: yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, it, it's been a down year for Blue Bloods. You think about a situation of, you know, Duke, North Carolina, Indiana, Kentucky, UCLA. If you could name me the last time, none of those, you know, out of those five teams, they've never made the tournament all at once. I'd be willing to bet it's zero. Either that or one of the first couple of years, in the NCAA, um, and let's be honest—if Kansas loses their last couple games, they may be on the it's outside tenuous. looking in. It it. So it's yeah. it's just not a good year for blue bloods. And you know, I was trying to rack my brain and figure out why that was. You know, whether it was aging coaching staffs, which that happens, right? Like even the best of us father time wins and you just don't connect with the kids anymore. So you think about, you know, a Mike Shashevsky or a Roy Williams or even a John Calipari, but you know, he seems to connect with these kids better than anyone, but at the same time, everybody gets old. Um, and it's just, at what point is it going to go through that refresh cycle, right? You know, um, I look back a couple of years ago to where OU had to do it. You know, yep. they run through a, a bunch of national titles, and then all of a sudden, you know what, guys, it's going to take us, you know, seven to ten years of a recycle, um, and then we're going to be back up to playing for national titles um, as it is. And you you have those for the the long stability uh, that these teams have. Um, They're allowed to have two or three down years every once in a while, but it's it's unfortunate to see, but it also makes it fun because uh, you're, you're getting new blood in there into the tournament.
0: Yeah, I, I agree 100%. So finding, you know, and again, it's good for the the long-term consistency to have those programs good and then nearer or at the top. But you're right, every once in a while it's good to get a break and, to, and see some other schools kind of pop up and maybe make a, make a move here. You know, obviously we, we remember Loyola, you know, a few years ago with the run that yeah. they had, so they're up there uh, in the top 25 right now. But you think about a team uh, that maybe isn't, you know, traditionally considered a, a basketball powerhouse, Chad, but you know, up there in the top 10, Alabama right now so yeah. and I know we have fatigue uh from the crimson tide for football purposes right but you know shit if yeah. they get a basketball team together that's going to be consistently in the top 10 uh, as well I mean you thought that they were obnoxious to have to deal with before my goodness I can't imagine what they're going to be like if they have a consistent basketball program
1: if they're winning everything I mean it's just uh you can't you can't have it right yeah. it and, and, parity.
0: And, and definitely the best team in the SEC uh this this year yeah. for sure you, you mentioned uh Calipari and Kentucky they're on a down cycle as well Tennessee pretty good team as well so you would imagine that you know, maybe it's going to be Alabama and Tennessee fighting it out there in the SEC tournament for that automatic bid. But uh, I, both those teams are going to get in the tournament for sure. So, uh, but uh, you know it's going to be interesting, Chad. Again, we're, we're just a few short weeks away here uh, before tournament play starts. And you know, with COVID in in the weather here in the Midwest, obviously, and in, in the South, you know, we're gonna we're gonna be short of of a full slate of games. I think before we get to the end of February. But I think the tournament, and maybe that puts more of an emphasis for some of these teams to where it's like, hey, shit, we got to win this thing otherwise we're not going to get in you mentioned some of those teams that might be somewhat tenuous down there I mean KU and Bill Self not their their typical year I, I think they will still find a way to get into it but you know maybe a North Carolina or a Duke you know makes a run in an ACC tournament or something and finds a way to get in there Clemson also a uh, pretty good ACC squad as well but uh, it's a, it's always a fun week right so it's always a fun week yeah. to watch it and, and I will say Chad you know, we've been talking about it talking with our guy Ben I think we're going to be doing a live remote next month uh during the tournament for kind of a a, a 68 team giveaway we're going to be talking about basketball we're going to be doing a live pod there uh from chalk and so i'm looking forward to doing that with you my friend again just a few short weeks away and more details to come on that right
1: absolutely it's going to be a great time and we just encourage everybody to come out grab a team and uh you know talk some smack with us on the pod.
0: Absolutely, and always one of the, the best sporting weeks of the year, right? So that that uh, that thir- Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, leading up to the opening round of the tournament, then obviously Saturday, Sunday, it carries over as well. And I know where you and I will be. We'll be posted up the, there at Chalk, and again, we get this weather to subside. You know, we, we've been we've been just hammered here over the last two weeks, and I know we've been talking about it. Surely we're going to get a super nice slate of weather in March, my friend, so that we can play some golf and we can watch some uh, college basketball up there at Chalk. So looking forward to doing that with you. Um, which well, I want to I want to transition here and talk a little bit about the UFC. Now, again, you and I we've talked about UFC and some of the big pay per views uh, from a gambling perspective in the past, and we admit that we're not the super hardcore fans. We don't follow it in the same manner that that a lot of the uh, the, the technical fans would, right? So, kind of getting into the midst of uh, of what's going on, but we do like to follow it from a fan perspective. And we had a big fight this Saturday night. Uh, Kamara Usman uh, defended his welterweight title against teammate uh, Gilbert. Brown. Burns, a, a third round uh, TKO there. Usman, uh, I don't, I don't want to call him a controversial figure, Chad, but a lot of guys kind of find him boring uh, from his his fight style. This one wasn't boring. I mean, he he kind of whooped up on Burns a little bit. Burns had a good first round, and then uh, Usman kind of uh, exerted his dominance there. But you know, did you get a chance to see any highlights or watch that fight Saturday night? And Usman, I mean, he's just he's he's built like a brick shithouse, house, isn't he?
1: He is, and I think that's where a lot of the stuff rubs the wrong way with Usman is, you know, he doesn't have this most exciting fighting style, but it wins. I mean, he he started his U.S. UFC career thirteen and zero. I think he's won seventeen straight fights. Like, and like you said, the guy is built like a brick shit house. And I understand he's not always throwing blows with you, but I mean, that's what people do is they nitpick the 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 very top of the top. I mean people talking about, hey, Mayweather's not as good as he is because he hasn't knocked people out. It's like, dude, that, that guy has the fastest hands this world's ever seen. And it's kind of one of those things, give a man his due, but you know, stop nitpicking every little thing. As hard as it is to be number one, um, one of the harder things is to stay number one because you're constantly being pulled back down.
0: Yep, absolutely. And in Usman, it sounds like there may be a rematch in line between Usman and Jorge Masvidal, who who is yeah. more of a sexy fighter, right? So we think about some of the just the spectacular knockouts. Again, that running knee against Ben Askren, you know, a couple years ago, still the fastest knockout, I think, in UFC history, if I'm not mistaken, you know, three seconds in or whatever it was. But now he's a guy who can sell a pay per view. And and I didn't see the ratings. I don't know what the ratings were from UFC for Saturday night between Usman and Gilbert Burns, but I would definitely be interested in seeing a rematch. That there uh and again masvidal you know i think he took that fight against it who's been on short notice the last time and it's been a little over a year ago so but he's a guy who can sell a pay-per-view maybe the next uh uh, connor mcgregor to a certain degree with kind of the salesmanship leading up to it right
1: absolutely that's the thing you need is you need the salesmanship but you also need to be able to back it up yep and those guys are few and far between that's why we're you know i feel like we're on this downswing of connor mcgregor like he's still a top 10 fighter but at the same time, we build him up to see, you know, the best, the best type of stuff, because his mouth is still running 100 miles an hour. But, you know, like he said, this is this isn't a sport you can always take a break in. Um, you know, you're going to lose your skill. And so yep. he did that to go make some money. And he's come back to what I would call very, very mixed results. Um, you know, he beat some guys that. Honestly, they didn't really have business being in the in the ring with him. And then when he's gone up against you know the the better competition, he hasn't fared too well.
0: No, so. you're right. That that lightweight and welterweight division. I mean. It's stacked. I mean, stacked. there are a lot. It's a deep, deep division there that, you know, between 145 and kind of 165 range, there's a ton of, of really talented fighters there in the UFC. But, Chad, I want to talk about the big boys, my friend. And when and we want to look ahead here over the next month and, and maybe even go back a week or so. The heavyweights are taking center stage in the UFC over the next month, my friend. And so it started, you know, a week or two ago. Alexander Volkov, the big Russian, just whipped up on Alistair Overeem, right? We, we all know Overeem. He's been in the game for a long time. You know, kind of a looks like a superhero with the way that he's chiseled and stuff. But Volkov, this big, kind of a, a, a rangy guy, right? Six foot seven, six foot eight, whatever he is, you know, heavyweight 250. I mean, he was dominant in that performance over Overeem. But you look at the schedule for UFC. It starts this Saturday night, Chad. You've got Blades versus Lewis. Two of uh, two big, heavy-handed guys. You know they're going to be throwing dukes. Not not the most, I would say, technically gifted guys. Uh, we think about Lewis. I mean, his his post-match interviews are always a lot of fun. Big big guy out of Houston. So uh, he he that's going to be a fun uh, fight coming up this weekend. And then the week after that, you got Rosenstroik against Gane. And then UFC 259, light heavyweight, not the not the top class, but uh, Blockowitz versus Adesanya, right? So Israel Adesanya moving up in weight class. And then UFC 260, Chad meet uh stipe Miocic versus uh francis and ganu too right so the heavyweight title going to be on the line next month i mean if you're a fan of the ufc fight game and you like watching the big boys then get your popcorn ready the next four weeks are going to be absolutely awesome right
1: yeah and that's usually the way they do it like you know dana white he he's playing chess when everybody else is playing checkers on coming some of these fight cards like you got to understand data white got into this game and had to sell the UFC pretty much every day of his life. And so he'd always make, you know, some, some fights that were the biggest box office, the biggest technically sound kind of matchups as it is now it's become like a creative process for him to where he has, like you think of like WWE and how they do shows and how each show leads into the next one. And the storyline kind of came say, it seems consistent. Like, the UFC has been able to do that to where you're you're almost able to follow quote unquote like this tour, almost like the PGA tour, you know. Well, Dustin Johnson won here last week and we're gonna look at the drama, what Patrick Reed brings this week. Like that's almost how you feel like some of these fight cards are to where, like you said, this whole next about 45, 60 days is all about heavyweights, whether they're light heavyweight or true heavyweights. Um, And then we'll get back into uh, some of the bigger cards for the summer. And it just seems like they're constantly evolving and, you know, not necessarily making a card that is, you know, just the biggest names possible, but almost like a, Oh, a symphony of music, the way he's playing with these strings, you know,
0: you're absolutely right. And you think about how ubiquitous, the the UFC fight game is now, Chad. I mean, there's there's essentially a big fight whether whether it's a pay per view or whether it's ESPN Fight Night every week, every Saturday. Yeah. There there is, and there was a stretch there where we had two or three in a week, right? So there was a Wednesday night uh, on ESPN, and then Saturday night. So it, it's insane that how how deep of a roster they've been able to build to essentially have one every single week. That that seems, if you would have rewound you know 10 years ago and you would have told us that, we would have told you to piss off. It's like, oh, absolutely not. It's a once a month type of thing. They're not going to yeah. be able to do this. Uh, it's all going to be pay-per-view. And, and to be able to make it so mainstream and, and to create a, a product that people like to watch. I mean, you're right. I mean, Dana White, I know he gets a lot of flack because he is somewhat of an abrasive character, uh, but, man, he deserves a ton of credit. He's been a hell of a salesman. I mean, he is, he, he is the, the equivalent to Vince McMahon, right, from a UFC standpoint. Yeah. And he might bristle at that comparison, but I mean it in a – it's supposed to be meant as a compliment. I mean, his ability to sell it has been absolutely uh, nothing short of amazing.
1: Absolutely it is. I mean, uh, you, you think about the storyline to where he, get, he basically got some childhood friends, the Fertillas um basically put up two billion dollars for him so he could go buy this program and basically it was like you said it was it was indie scene it was uh um you know rundown arenas and you know almost human cockfighting uh for him to be able to go through challenge the norm get this regulated when you know 99 percent of people in the world weren't ready for it but he foresaw an event to where this was almost like art instead of uh, brutal machoism. And he's, he's just been instrumental in its its rise and growth and deserves everything he, he gets. And ESPN came in uh, ABC and put a bunch of money behind them. And so, you know, it's, it's been almost like a match made in heaven. And like you said, during this, this COVID, they might've been the only thing. Uh, There for a little while, I thought they did a great job.
0: Yep, absolutely. Legitimacy, I think, kind of bring legitimizing the sport and and turning it into, as you say, bringing in procedures, protocols, regulations. I mean, it's it's legitimized the sport uh, and it's become again ubiquitous and mainstream now. But Chad, you know, one one name that didn't pop up as we kind of look at these big fights of the big boys here over the next couple months, my friend, and that's John Bones Jones. Uh, He, you know, he's moving up in weight class, right? He's kind of getting ready uh, to move up to the heavyweight. Division, and you would anticipate that maybe he's got his eye on that Miocic and Ganu rematch. There, winner of that, maybe you know I, I don't know if he deserves a title shot right out of the gate, moving up to the heavyweight division. But he's obviously a name; he's a brand. People will recognize it. People will rent that pay-per-view for sure. But don't count him out either. With you know blockowitz and Adesanya, I know he's moved up in weight class, but you know I think he's got he, he's obviously been at the light heavyweight for the long time uh, there. But that would be an interesting fight as well, depending on who wins that one. But uh, you know, John Bones Jones, he's gonna have his he's gonna have his uh, hands full with whoever he ends up fighting out of these uh, these two different weight divisions, right?
1: Yeah, and I think so. And I think you know Dana White's in a unique situation to where um, he you're you're absolutely right. He's doing these UFC uh, you know pay per views back to back of potential fights for John Bones Jones, and I think it's one of those to where they're almost hedging their bet, right? Because They could dream about a Frank uh, Miacic and um, Bone Jones fight all they want. But the reality is if Nagano goes and beats him, that throws a huge wrench in your plan. And let's let's be honest, the way Dana White wanted to reveal the UFC, if you've watched that documentary, was basically having Tito Ortiz versus Chuck Liddell. Well, another guy came along, came Randy Couture, kind of spoiled that whole situation of not being able to fight for a title. So I would expect Dana Weiss learned from his mistake. And now he's got a situation where if Adesanya wins, he's plan B. If Mia wins, I would think that would be plan a, yeah. um, I just don't think Nagan as big as a draw of maybe what an Adesanya is going to be, um, if Adesanya wins, but, you know, I could, I could be wrong, but I, I think they are potentially holding it for whatever fight makes the bigger sense. Uh, either heavyweight or light heavyweight, it's kind of fun.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And the Adesan, you know, you, you're, you're right. I mean, he sells fights as well, Chad. He's got a little got a little swag to him, you know. Right. So you think yeah. about all the the crazy dance routines that you know his walk in and uh, and just his ability on the mic as well, right? So in the post conference or post match press conferences and the press conferences leading up to some of these big pay per view events. I mean, he he's a salesman as well. He's got that ability and uh, he's got that swag to him as well. But you know, me Chad, if he finds a way to beat Ngannou again, then, I mean, he's getting up there in age, right? He's in his late 30s. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't know that he has a whole lot left to prove. Now, obviously, the money that would be associated with a fight against uh, uh, Jones would probably be astronomical. But it's crazy to think that he might be the best heavyweight ever from a UFC perspective, he might already be yeah. that guy, but if he beats Ngannou again and then were somehow to defend the belt against Jones, I mean, it would be, he would be, he would be goat status. It would be Tom Brady-esque, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's one of those things to where, you know, whoever wins that fight, if it's Mia Chich or if it is John Bones Jones, it is goat status for the winner of that. It, it's, there's no questioning because you're right. If Miachich wins, he's making his case as the greatest heavyweight of all time, which he's up there. Yep. Um, he's up there, and there's there's no one else I can I can really think of that's had this run that he has, and the only only one stopping him was um oh, the the announcer. yeah, uh, Daniel Cormier, Formier. Daniel Cormier,
0: right? So they come back and
1: avenge that loss. Yeah. yeah. Yep, he came back and avenged and and so I mean that's the same thing with John Jones, is there's no one left for me to fight or no one more to ascend, just like if you had another team from another era and you could have Tom Brady go play them in football, he would, but these guys are getting to that point to where there's no one else. And so a fight between those two, which hopefully it would be close and you'd kick off like a three fight series or something like that. uh, Or at least a second fight I mean, that would be fantastic. But at the same time, like, you know, you, you got, you got two goats approaching each other and, I think they're both going to be goat. It's just who's you know who's going to be supreme goat. Like BHS yep. may be the he- best heavyweight ever and John Jones Bones Jones Bones could be the best light heavyweight ever. It's just uh, who's more supreme at yeah, that
0: point? Absolutely, yeah. Different tiering of the goat stratosphere, my friend. So, but yeah, Jones obviously, you know, doing it in different weight classes that that certainly brings a different type of uh, swag to uh, to his resume uh, for sure. But you know that Dana White's rooting for it, Chad. I mean, that that might be one of those fights towards the end of the year, right? So maybe we get a yeah. Miocic Bones Jones, maybe November December something like that. Kind of looking at how the schedules might lay out. But oh my goodness, you we would rent that one for sure. I, I think most of the world <laughs> would. We'd, we'd be watching that one. So. Well, 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 Chad, you know, I want to – obviously, we, we, we did our big Super Bowl recap last week, my friend. So, we talked about, you know, uh, bad beats and good bets. Uh, obviously, you, you did well uh, on the Super Bowl. But the NFL offseason – I mean, the NFL has kind of become a 12-month, year-round type of cycle thing from a news standpoint. And this offseason is getting off to a fun and interesting start. And we have to start with the Houston Texans releasing – uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, Chad. Their, their defensive end, J.J. Watt, again, the 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 franchise player really for the last, what, eight, nine years. Now, obviously, Deshaun Watson's come in at the quarterback position and kind of assumed that role to a certain degree there, and J.J. Watt getting towards the end of his career, and I think he would admit that as well. But, you know, a crazy scenario there, they still have this issue with Deshaun Watson to where he's essentially said, hey, you got to trade me. I don't want to be here anymore. I mean, a- an interesting dynamic is that, well, now they get rid of their best defensive player as well, and they just cut him. They didn't even try to trade him, Chad. They just cut him. Nope. Can you believe
1: this, man? The Texans is such a dumpster fire right now. Like, I I can't believe the coach that went and took that. Like, he it was an oddball head coaching yes, uh, yes. pick as it was, but it it was also one of those that anyone with some moxie about him or understanding of the situation basically told the Texans, hell no. And so this guy probably just wanted to be a head coach bad enough on his resume that he sat there and it's like, oh, yeah, put it down there. Let, like, let's do this thing. Um, <laughs> but you're right. How weird of a situation. You've got the GM publicly coming out and the president uh, basically saying, we're not trading Deshaun, and you've got Deshaun behind the scenes just being like, Bitch, you ain't, you know, type <laughs> situation over here like hold my beer. He's you're been you're going to trade me.
0: Yeah, he's been active on social media chat. He's been very vocal about like, yeah, I don't really want to be here anymore. Golly. You guys need to make a move. Yeah, yeah, absolutely insane. Just a, a dumpster fire. I mean, you're right. There's no other way to describe it right now. And you know, the 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 head coaching situation is like, well, if you're going to pay me 2 or 3 million bucks and then let me be a head coach of an NFL franchise, yeah, I'll take that job, right? So even, even right. if it doesn't work out, right? So I'm going to get paid, right? So if my my salary isn't contingent upon wins and losses. I'm going to get paid either way. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll take that job. So, <laughs> But, you know, another interesting uh, off-season story here, Chad, centers around the Philadelphia Eagles and Carson Wentz. So, you know, from an OU perspective, we talked a lot about Jalen Hurts and, you know, I was shocked that the Eagles took him in the second round, Chad, and I had question marks going into it. You know, he got to start a few games towards the end of the season and really played well. Carson Wentz, on the other hand, did not play well for the Eagles. Seems like they're going to move him – uh, here in the off season, it seems like either the Chicago Bears or the Indianapolis Colts are probably the two favorites. With maybe the Colts being the leader in the clubhouse here as we record this on Wednesday morning. You know your thoughts on Carson Wentz, and you know if he goes to the Colts, you know can he kind of you know uh, revive his career to a certain degree? The Colts, I mean, they're kind of ready made. They just need a quarterback, right? So obviously, if Phillip Rivers retiring, that that team is well built, well constructed, right?
1: Yeah, that team is well-built and well constructed, And I imagine the Colts are having internal discussions because there's going to be a couple names come out there. And it's what do you want to pay and, you know, all that good stuff. Because I'm sure the Atlanta Falcons are sitting there looking at the compensation that the Detroit Lions got for Matt Stafford and said, hey, we got a Matty Ice of our own. And we got Matt Ryan over here. Um, you know, you who who's going to give us something for, for him? Because I think he was be." the most attractive, if not, yep. you know, good-looking quarterback out there. Um, Carson, Carson Wentz, he's such – he's a polarizing candidate right now, and the Colts do make sense. Um, and I was telling somebody the other day, it almost feels like a, a situation where it has to be the Colts. It can't be anybody else because nobody else is going to get, you know, kind of the value out of it. And I look at Carson Wentz as, and Frank Wright as kind of a – father-son relationship where they're sitting there going you know what i i I think i know what's wrong with my boy bring him on over you know let's let's get this right um the bears don't make sense at all to me um i just i kind of sit there and i go you know what why would you be hitching your wagon to a guy that you don't know and maybe you think you can work with him a little bit this is also a pretty deep quarterback draft. I would think you could get someone near the end of the se- the first round that's actually going to be pretty decent, or you could wait till you know the sixth round or whatnot and try somebody. I don't think the Bears are as put together as the Colts are. Yeah, I, agree. I mean, the Bears still have some questions on offense. Um, you know, who's going to be their wide receiver if Allen Robinson's trying to get out of there? And I'm sure he's wanting to know what the QB situation is going to be like before he resigns. But uh, Carson Wentz is interesting to me. I'd, I'd much rather have Matt Ryan uh, than I would Carson Wentz. Um, but but that's me at this point. And well, it, it's it, kind of it, one of those that I don't want to try and fix a confidence issue for, for a guy that's supposed to be one of the top 30 confidence guys in the world. Type yeah. situation
0: I, I agree Chad especially for a Colts team that's built to win right now with the right quarterback yeah. and, and you know you and I we've talked about it in in past pods about you know Matt Ryan about you know, maybe maybe he goes to the Patriots right and Bill Belichick yeah. right you think about the Boston College connection there would be a guy that you would think would fit into belichick's system there uh but he he would seem to be someone who is on the move from a Falcons squad standpoint that that probably need yeah. to rebuild right so they've got enough holes to where I think even if they you know Matt Ryan and Julio Jones comes back and healthy you know, I still don't know that they're going to be able to compete for a Super Bowl, uh, maybe for a playoff spot, but I, I'm with you. But you know, one thing about the Philadelphia Eagles, Chad, as it stands right now, they're going to be $47 million over the salary cap. I mean, that is ah. a tough situation for a team that looks like they need to, you know, move around a lot of parts. I mean, they, they've got a lot of issues and it's like, man, you're just going to be hamstrung uh, from that standpoint. And so, yeah, that's not, not a good place to be, but you know, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about my club, Chad, the Dallas Cowboys. So, yep. obviously, the biggest off-season storyline almost for the last two years now, quarterback Dak Prescott, right, do they franchise tag him again? It would cost them $37 million if they do that, uh, really almost $38 million, I guess. You know, doesn't seem like they're close to reaching some sort of longer term deal there. I mean, he was absolutely incredible for those last or first four games of the 2020 season before he had that nasty broken leg against the Giants, Chad. I mean, is he worth $40 million a year in that ballpark? I mean, what would you do if you're Jerry Jones? Yeah.
1: If I'm Jerry Jones and you're unhappy with, you know, Dak Prescott, which it seems you are, like, it seems like you're torn on. Dak Prescott not being like this pure passer guy. He doesn't look like Troy Aikman and just like a a specimen throwing the football. Like, you know, he's a well-built quarterback and he's serviceable. I think Dak Prescott has done a lot with uh, what he's got. But if I'm also Jerry Jones and I don't like him, I want more of a pure passer. I'm calling the Texans and be like, look, if you want a quality quarterback in this league, the market's showing you that it's going to be above $25, $30 million. And I'm sorry you want Dak Prescott at $30 million or $35 and you can't get to 40. Can you get to 39 for Deshaun Watson? Because I think Deshaun Watson's a much better quarterback than Dak Prescott. I agree. I, I personally believe. Yeah. I agree. Um, it's it's just what else are you going to part with?
0: Yeah, it's amazing to think about, you know, Deshaun Watson, what he's been able to do over the last couple of seasons. Yeah. You know, they, they've they traded away most of his assets, right? He's had a terrible offensive yeah. line. He hasn't really had much of a running game. And then, obviously, the new Hopkins trade uh, before the start of last year to Arizona. It's like, what the hell am I supposed to do here? What, you know, what? Right. what? And he still goes out and puts and up incredible in stats. Yes, yes, he yeah. is. He's incredible. You're right. I, I think that he is a transformational a generational talent that uh, I think whenever you stack them up and compare – uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I would lean more towards Deshaun Watson, but you think I mean, that, that might start a civil war in the state of Texas, Chad. So you, you well, think about the Cowboys it, and Texans fans, you know, that, that's a big time rivalry as well. If they swap quarterbacks, that's going to be weird, right?
1: Well, I, and I, get, I sit there and I throw this back to you as a fan. Would you want Deshaun Watson or would you rather go like the Jets and sit there and get the number two overall pick um, or something like that? Because it seems like the Jets are open to something like that. Uh, to where you give up Dak Prescott and you either you get back the number two pick plus you get Darnold or something like that. Uh, do you want to do you want to bring in a guy that's win now or are you looking to rebuild? I would imagine that offense is ready to win now. Um, I don't know if the defense is up to snuff, but I guess that's where Jerry's sitting there going, Dak, we can't sign you for so much because we got to improve the defense just a little bit to have any sort of shot.
0: Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I, I think that... You know, if, if that was the choice, I think I would make the trade and go for number two. I, I'm always, I'm a tinkerer, right? So I love yeah. the GM row. I would want to kind of yeah. always draft whoever that next big guy is. But I'll tell you, you know, behind Trevor Lawrence, Chad, I, I'm not 100% sold on that slew of quarterbacks, right? You think about Justin yeah. Fields, you think about Trey Lance from uh, North Dakota, or is it North Dakota or South Dakota? I think it's North Dakota State. North um, Dakota State, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. you think about uh, Mac Jones and some of those other guys that, you know, a lot of draft experts have five or six quarterbacks going in the first round. I'm yeah. always uh, I'm super reluctant on that. unless you have an absolute, you know, sure fire bet you think about, you know, the John Elways you think about the Andrew Lux and those guys that were just can't miss prospects. I put Trevor Lawrence into that category. I think he's a can't miss prospect. I don't know about the other guys, and I don't know yeah. that I would draft him number two overall, but from a cowboys perspective, I'm with you. I mean, I think they have enough, they have enough on offense. To get a serviceable quarterback in there, and we saw, you know, Andy Dalton had flashes, Dalton, right? So he yeah, was he wasn't he completely awful. I mean, he got hurt, you know, and getting knocked out, but that offensive line was just ravaged by injuries. And I think if they can get healthy on the offensive line, the skill position players are in place. And then really it's the defense that needs the upgrade. And so I'm I'm with you on that. I think I would probably take the trade and kind of tinker and build for the future there. And with future I mean, you know, the next two or three years, right? So I, I don't I'm not, yeah. not the Cowboys should are ne- the Cowboys should never be a long term project with the money in the, uh, the cachet that they have. So maybe it takes a year or two to kind of get the right guys in place and you rebuild a little bit, but I don't, I don't think that they should ever be a long-term project. Yeah. Well, well, Chad, you know, I want to get your thoughts. In the past, in our younger days, you know, we were known, we, we played a little tennis with our guy, Ben Mason, and Ben Mason's a pretty salty player back in the day as well. So, uh, you know, obviously it's the Australian Open, uh, going on right now, we're down to the semifinals, my friend So we're down to the final four here. And from a major sporting event standpoint, it's one of the the, the highlights from what we can kind of gamble on this week. And again, it doesn't matter if it's a uh, uh, Tiddlywinks or uh, or pinball. You know, if we can bet on it, we're going to bet on it, Chad. So I wanted to get your thoughts on the Australian Open, the final four on both the men's and women's. Let's start with the women's, Chad. I mean, the glamour semifinal that kicks off later tonight. Naomi Osaka, Serena Williams. This has super duper star written all over it here, Chad. This is I'm I'm going to watch this one, man. This is going to be fun to watch here. But who you got, Osaka versus Serena in the semifinals, Bud?
1: Yeah, and and honestly, over the past couple of years, Osaka has kind of been the heel to uh, Williams or whatnot because Osaka has kind of stood in the way of Serena getting a couple of titles as as it is. Um, which would have put her uh, tie on Margaret Court for 24 all time. I don't think Serena's going to stop at 24 either. I think she goes and she tries to get 25, 26, hold it by herself. But Serena, she's gotten through her matches, but it hasn't been her best tennis. Um, Osaka over the past couple days has just played very, very well, effortless, uh, air-free tennis. So we'll see how that is. You know, Serena's getting older in life. She has to grind for a lot more than what she had to do in her prime, which, you know, the the greatest ones overcome that. You see what LeBron James is able to do at, you know, whatever he is. I think he's 36, 37, something right. like that. Yep. Um, you know, and the same thing with Tom Brady is you realize you don't have as many, um, you know, different tools in the bag, but you still, you still learn how to win with the tools that you still have left. And Serena, you know, for all her credit, she she's beaten some of the best players in the world, but Osaka's a little different animal here in this quarterfinals. I'm going to be cheering for Serena, but my head tells me Osaka in this one.
0: Okay, yeah, and and that would be you know kind of in on par with the betting favorite right now, right? So the odds Osaka plus one thirty, and this is to win it, obviously. Serena Williams right behind her at plus one seventy. So Vegas thinks that the winner of Osaka and Serena is obviously going to go on to win the tournament. But the other side of that semifinal, somewhat interesting here, Chad. We got American Jennifer Brady. She's at plus four hundred right now, and then the Czech Republic's uh, Karolina Muchova. Which Muchova, you know, she had uh, a kind of a, a a big showing there uh last night or i guess two nights ago now she knocked out the favorite uh, ashley barty uh their australian gal i believe and uh, she was the number one overall seed so so a big win for muchova there but you know obviously it would be great to see the american get into the final as well jennifer brady and so from a betting standpoint you know would you throw a couple shekels on a jennifer brady getting that you're you know plus 400 getting four to one odds there she's the favorite to move on to the final now Against Osaka or Serena, she's going to be a big underdog in the final, and understandably so. But maybe she's got kind of a magical run here going.
1: Yeah, and I think I think for women's you have to um, in that regard because it doesn't always seems seem like the favorite wins on the on the women's yeah, side. Just three sets, it does too. yeah. yeah. yeah it, it's three sets. You know, it's it's a little bit quicker, and if you if you get up on that first one, like it's. I'm not saying it's it's smooth sailing, but it's so much to overcome. Yeah. If if guy, you get down uh, one love or whatnot, you you realize no, there's plenty more tennis. But girls, like you start playing with a different one because. All of a sudden, it is. It's just like you said, it's three sets, best of three.
0: Yeah, you cannot make a mistake if you lose that first set. Whereas, at, oh, yeah. you're right on the men's. It seems like you know the winner, the eventual winner, ends up losing the first set You know, quite often. But let's talk about the men's, Chad. So uh, we're down to the final four there as well. Number one seed, Novak Djokovic. Again, we'll get into him. <laughs> he's a controversial figure, as always. Uh, he's going up against, I believe, Russian uh, Aslan uh, Karas- Karatsev. And then on the yep. other side of it, Chad, we've got Daniel Medvedev and then the Greek. Henrik Stefanos uh, Sissipas, I believe is how you pronounce that. I might be butchering that. But you know, 4-5 seed there on that side uh, of the semifinal. But you know, Djokovic, obviously the favorite here from a betting perspective. Chad, minus 125. Medvedev, uh, the next favorite right behind at plus 225 here. And then uh, Karatsev, obviously way down the list at uh, plus 25, 25 to 1 there. Any reason to bet on someone other than Djokovic, besides the fact that he's an easy guy to hate?
1: Um, I think, I think you hit the nail on the head on, on your strategy for last game. I think you look at, uh, Stefanos, uh, Cespedes, uh, uh, from Greece at the, you know, basically the plus 500, because, you know, the rank between him and Medvedev is not too great to overcome what those odds sit there and tell me. Um, Stefanos just beat, uh, Rafa Nadal, Rafa Nadal. And so he's probably got a little swagger to him a little bit right now. Um, so I'd probably ride the hot hand in Stephanus, and just see what he could do against Joker. Um, I don't think there's any value in Joker. I think Joker's winning the tournament, but in an alternate reality, I'd put money on Stefanos.
0: Yeah, Stefanos. We talked about losing the first set. I mean, he was down two sets. Chad, he lost the first yeah. two sets to Nadal and come back and won the last three sets in just a you know a grueling uh, you know endurance uh, of a five set match there with Rafa Nadal. We we you know think about Rafa Nadal and some of the battles that he's had with you know uh, Roger Federer and, and Djokovic and some of the other big name guys over the last ten years, and just crazy to see him. I'm not going to say fritter away you know a two set lead, uh, but uh, but you know, kudos to Stefanos, right? So to be able to overcome, you know, falling behind two sets to anybody is a challenge, but you know, let alone to a guy like Rafa Nadal. So maybe he's got a little bit of the uh, uh, the magic juice here uh, going into the, uh, the semifinals as well. But uh, I'm with you. You know, I don't, I wouldn't feel good about betting on Djokovic for a, a variety of reasons. He's kind of a knucklehead first and foremost, but uh, I'm with you. He's, he's the big favorite for a reason. I, I think he's won it, what, the last two years in a row, if I'm not mistaken yeah. as well. So he, he likes this tournament. He's won this uh, one.
1: Eight times. Yeah. 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 He's, he knows <laughs> what he's doing.
0: One. Knows what he's doing uh, down in Australia. But, you know, some controversy, Chad, before I get you out of here, you know, regarding, you know, whether he's injured, whether he's not. A lot of the other guys are kind of calling bullshit on him right now. And again, he just, he seems to always be a lightning rod for controversy, right?
1: Oh, absolutely. He does. um And now he's, <laughs> I love it now that he's talking about a situation. Well, maybe we need to go to a tennis bubble. And I'm like, You were the biggest like (laughs) non-believer six, eight months ago. And now all of a sudden you're trying to tell us how to run this thing. And it's just, he's, he's out there, man. I just don't think he's in touch with reality. I really don't. I think he was kind of a spoiled kid growing up. And I think he's, you know, a spoiled superstar now. And Hey, let's be honest. The guy is absolutely phenomenal. He's one of the greatest players that ever played the game might be the greatest. But he's just so out of touch with the rest of the world.
0: No, I think that's a good way to put it. If he would get off social media or maybe maybe not talk so much, he would prob- ah. probably be in a lot uh, lot better shape uh, at least from a fan perspective standpoint. But again, you you can't deny the talent. You're absolutely right. I mean, he is uh, one of the best of all time. And if he continues on this pace, he, he might go down as the best men's player of all time. He's still got a few few more years left and a little bit more gas yep. in the tank as compared to a guy like Nadal or Federer, who, who obviously has, has kind of hung it up now, but Nadal probably close to Hanging it up as well. So, well, Chad, you know we're up against the hour mark, my friend. So I appreciate you hanging with me and riding shotgun, uh, braving the conditions, right? So the the cold, wintry conditions <laughs> here. Getting to the office, getting to the pod studio, my friend. And, and for remember now, for our listeners out there, you can follow Chad, the whole Chalk team on Twitter and Instagram at ChalkOKC or follow them on the web at ChalkOKC.com. Now, again, obviously kind of tough conditions to get out there, but this weekend the weather conditions are going to subside. We've got all kinds of good sports to, to talk about. We didn't even get into the NBA yet, so we've got our uh, we, we thunder uh, coming up this weekend. So there will be plenty of reasons to get out uh, and go to Chalk and watch a game, have a beer, have a sandwich, and if nothing else, get out of the house for a day or two. <laughs> so, so I know everybody will be looking forward to that. So Well, I appreciate you joining me yet again, my friend. I look forward to doing it again next week in gang. While this will wrap it up for this episode, remember that the conversation doesn't end here. To keep it going and to also keep up with everything we're doing over at the Sports Pros Network, check us out at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that's pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. Enjoy the games this weekend, gang. Good luck. Stay safe and stay warm. We'll talk to you next week.